Welcome back to Hug Your People. This is episode three. My name is Kevin. Today, I'm going to do a quick Q&A of some questions I've gotten through social media. We're going to talk about making the choice for treatment, uh, the process my family went through and some uh, items in the news out there of people making other choices. And then we're just going to riff on how my son feels and his perception of treating cancer at this stage. Hug Your People. Welcome back. I get a lot of questions um, about, you know, just about things going on in, in our journey and our process and our healing, and that's uh, completely understandable. Um, so I want to tackle a couple of questions I've gotten. Um, the first question, probably the most popular, is why is your wife never on video or podcasts or anything like that? And my wife is, uh, she's a remarkably powerful woman, but she is also not the kind to uh, to do what I do and to jump into the public spotlight and She's much um, more confident and comfortable, and just she, this is just what she's going to do. She's going to be at home fighting the fight with Bax, um, and I think that's really why we're a good complement to each other. But she uh, maybe one day I'll get her on the podcast. I'm, I might have to trick her to get her on, but she has some. She does have some amazing insight, and a lot of the stuff that I learn and that I, I, I get through our process is really from her and from our relationship and and her just diving into the science and learning and, and talking with other moms. And um, so, so hopefully we'll, we'll get that soon, but I need you to understand that it's just not something that she's interested in doing. Um, otherwise, we certainly would have her on. The next question I get is, uh, hey, Kev, you used to be in video production. You've got all these mics. You've got all this stuff. Why is the audio quality not better? And it's very simple. It comes down to time. Um, I do these because I want to talk passionately about what's going on in our life, not necessarily provide the best production. Um, and I know that's counterintuitive for a podcast, but it comes down to time really, because I'm running a business. I'm trying to help my wife with the household and I do a lot there. Uh, I'm obviously there for my son and we're at the hospital. So it really comes down to when I get to carve out time to share these things. Um, for instance, right now I'm in my car, I'm going to pick up my wife lunch. And so I've got a little time. And so now that's, this is when I'm doing it. And so the audio quality is not really a primary concern at this point. Um, it may be down the line, but right now it's just about getting Baxley's story out, getting the message out, trying to help people and trying to just share, shed some light on this incredibly hard journey that we're on. So, so that's kind of why the, uh, the audio quality is not any better than it is. So if you have any questions, if you do have questions, feel free to reach out to me. Facebook is good, uh, probably the best. Facebook, email, um, Instagram, all of that. And I'm happy to answer them. I'm not hiding anything. I'm just uh, learning as as everybody is through this whole thing. So I'm happy to answer your questions. If you do have them, hit me up. Let's get into today's podcast. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, recently in the news, there was a court-ordered uh, chemotherapy treatment for a three-year-old toddler in Florida. Um, and so I, I did get a few questions around that, and actually I did a Facebook Live about it. But um, let's talk about that because I want to talk about the decision process. You know, as parents, how do we decide what the best treatment option is? Um, and then I want to talk about, you know, just some observations that I've made with Baxley uh, about maybe how he feels or how I, I can interpret how he feels. And, and let's go that route. But let's start with the, the court-ordered chemotherapy treatment from Florida. So here's the situation as I understand it. Um, I don't know everything about it, but I do know a little bit. 
Um, so the, the parents wanted to go a holistic treatment route. The child, I believe, had leukemia. Um, now, as I said in my Facebook Live, there's two things that really I, I know, and that cancer has a lot of different strains. There's a lot of different treatments. Not every treatment is the same for every child. Um, and that pediatric cancer is very, very different than cancer in adults. So we have to break those things down first and understand that we can't just blanket um, cancer treatments as far as everybody gets the same stuff because it's very different. Um, so the, the parents wanted the child to have a holistic treatment, meaning they were going to use uh, things like cannabis. They were going to uh, control the diet. Um, I don't know what else they were, they were going to use, but I'm sure they had other things planned. Um, and the toddler was three years old, and they went through two, I believe, two chemo treatments before they got to, to the court, and the judge had ordered um, chemotherapy as the treatment for the child, and there was a question, at the time I read this, there was a question of whether the parents would keep custody. So, man, that's just so scary um, as a parent to have a child be diagnosed with cancer, and um, now you're potentially losing custody of your child, um, you know, and, and I get both sides of it. So I'm not really in a position to, you know, and I would never throw judgment on the parents or the judge or the child. I just don't know enough about the story. Um, I don't know enough about the type of cancer. I don't know enough about the, the family or, or, the, or the child. So I can't judge what's right and what's wrong. Uh, I can, from a parent perspective, sit here and say it would be incredibly hard to lose custody of my child while they're going through their battle with cancer. Like that would be almost a non-option for me. Um, so, so that's kind of, that brought on some questions about how Suzanne and I got to our treatment decision um, and kind of where we go from here. So, um, so understanding that that's what brought it on and, and that, you know, I can't, I'm not going to say the parents are right, the parents are wrong. I just don't know enough. What I can do is is share with you how we got to our decision. So you know a little bit about our story if you've heard the prior episode. So you know that over the course of about four days, we went from having constipation and, and treating a constipated child to having stage four, group four cancer. That's a lot to absorb. That is just a lot to take in in a small amount of time. So that definitely impacts the decision making. And now you throw other layers onto it, you know, like um, for a lot of families, um, finances are very much a part of the, of the choice, the decision-making process, you know. When you look at the things that my family, I can't speak for every family, the financial challenges that my family's undergoing is, um, you know, one, the helicopter ride, that bill, but again, we have insurance, so how much the bill was is not how much we're going to pay, but the bill was $56,000 for the helicopter ride from the ER to the hospital. And we would never make another choice. Like, well, of course we're getting on that helicopter, you know. Um, and so you add that on, then we have, you know, there, there is a single shot that we have to take uh, after chemo at certain points. And that single shot is $10,000, you know, on, on the bill. Of course, you know, again, insurance, so I'm under no illusion that that's how much we're going to pay, uh, if anything. But insurance but so you, you definitely see where families could be in a position of having to make some financial choices most most of the time when a kid gets cancer one of the parents has to quit work so you're you're sacrificing um, income you're 
so you're not earning as much and you're paying these bills or having to be faced with these bills. So the decision-making process when it comes to treatment can definitely be financial. Um, and again, I can't say whether that's right or wrong. What I can say is that the finances around treating a child with the kind of cancer that my son has is very steep. You know, all in all, at the end of the 67 weeks, we're looking at over a million dollars likely in bills. Now, that's not how much we're going to pay, obviously, but that's what it will, when you factor in the fact that we have to move to Florida for two months, um, we have to spend an additional 45 or 50 days in the hospital in another city. Um, my real estate business is no more. It, it can't exist this year. So that's, you know, that's a chunk of change that we lose there. My wife is back to part-time admin work when she was a producer uh, or, or a, a real estate, or I'm sorry, an insurance agent um, for a, a company. So she, her income is, is down. Um, and then, you know, not to mention the travel and the, the, every time we go and stay at the hospital, it costs a certain amount of money. And there's just so much that you don't factor into the loss of income, but also the bills that stack up. So I can certainly see where the finances would be, you know, if you had a, a single mom situation, um, I, I can see where that would be. It's a choice. It's got to be. It's just, it's, it's hard. And you want to make the right choice and you want to not let this put your family in bankruptcy or or put it to where you, you don't have a job for a year and then have to go back into the workforce and you lose the house and the car. And, you, you know, that is very real. That is a real reality for a lot of families that their child gets cancer and they go bankrupt, lose the house, lose the car, lose the job, and they don't know what to do next. I see it every single day. That is real. So you can't really judge a parent's decision if it is financial when their kid gets cancer. It's, it's really, it's a hard decision to make. You're already dealing with the emotions of your child having cancer, and now you're dealing with the emotions of losing everything you've worked for to provide for that child so that you can treat it. You know, if you don't have insurance or if you have poor insurance, you know, it, it really, it can impact things. So we really have to understand that we can't judge people based on the decision alone. There, there is layer after layer after layer of factors that go into making that choice. Um, now, I'm also one to, I, you know, this is another hard part about having a kid who's diagnosed with cancer, is you're making a choice for someone who can't make it on their own. My four-year-old son doesn't have the ability to choose his treatment. Um, he's just, he's four. You know, the three-year-old toddler in Florida, that toddler doesn't have the ability to choose their treatment. So someone has to choose for them, normally the parent. And the, the treatment I would choose for myself is probably different than the treatment, I, well, I know it is. It's different than the treatment I would choose for my son. And where I sat, my wife and I kind of sat together on this and we believe a lot of the same things around medicine, meaning I would choose a more holistic path for myself but when it comes to making a choice for my son, I have to I have to choose the sure thing, right? I can't take as many risks because he doesn't get any say in the matter. So I really have to look at where where is the sure thing? Where can I back it up with science? Where can I back it up with proven studies and not Google? You know, I can get on the internet and make the internet say whatever I want to support my argument. There are plenty of case studies where holistic means have quote-unquote cured cancer. There's plenty of case studies. There are plenty of case studies where 
um, chemotherapy has done the same. There are plenty of case studies where both have not done anything and the child has died. And so no matter what my agenda is, I can make the internet say whatever I want to support it. What we have to do and where we decided is we relied heavily on our oncology doctors who have been collectively decades, decades in study, in treatment, in staying in, in tune with all the latest research. So we relied heavily on our doctor's opinions to give us the information so that we could decide. Um, we didn't Google it. We didn't get on a website. We sat down at a table in a private room when our doctors told us that our son had cancer. We stayed in that room and went through all the options. And they gave us all the information. They answered all the questions we had. They continued to answer all the questions we had. And that's how we got to our decision to make a choice for someone else's life. And that was our son. When you throw on the fact that you just found out your kid has cancer, they're your child, so the emotions are high anyway, and you're having to make this life-saving decision, it's hard. It is so heavy. I don't wish anyone to be in that room and have to make that choice. And so I think when we sit from a place of judgment and we look at what's, what's best for the child, because that's what we want. Everybody, the judge down in Florida, the parents in Florida, me, you, everybody wants what's best for the kid. Nobody wants a kid to suffer. Nobody wants a kid to be sick. Nobody wants a kid to have cancer. It's not fair. They don't deserve it. We all agree on that. What we do want is the kid to get better. And so we can't judge how that happens, in my opinion, because each kid is different, each family is different, each circumstance is different. What I need you to understand and what we understood the hard way is that when you're sitting in that room with the doctors at that table and you're making that decision, it's the hardest decision you'll ever have to make in your life. There is no best option. There is no easy. There is no let's wait and see. There is immense pressure. There is immense love. And there are real life challenging decisions that we're up against. And if you don't do everything you can, everything in your power, and look at all the information at your disposal to make that decision, you're not making the right choice for your kid. And so that's really the process we had to go through. We had to collect all the information we could, ask all the questions we could ask. Think of things that we hadn't thought of yet, and that's the hardest part. We had to talk to other parents. We had to talk to other people who've been that we trusted who've been in a similar situation. Most importantly, we had to rely on our doctors, and we had to put faith and trust in our doctors to get to that choice. From where we sit now, based on what we know, I believe that we made the best choice for my son. I believe that we made a choice that will allow us treatment, like positive treatment. You know, um, again, if it were me laying on that bed, uh, I would probably choose a more holistic route. I would also be able to make that choice and live with the consequences positive or negative. What we didn't want to do is make a choice for our son and have to live with negative consequences, meaning we should have chosen something different. So we had to make a choice that was really careful and really methodical and really um, heavily considered all the possibilities. We did that with a team of doctors who helped us through that. Um, so that's really, when you, when you think about what it takes to make a decision for treatment, 
that's it's not fun it's not fun and I don't think we can sit here and say one parent is right one parent is wrong I don't think we can say one judge is right and one judge is wrong you know I don't wish that treatment be thrust upon parents by a court I don't wish that but as all cancers are different all parents are also different and what I also don't want is a parent to be making a financial decision that puts their kid in harm's way um, I don't want a parent to be making a decision based on their belief and not what's right for their child. And so I do think there's an element of we have to monitor the decisions of parents on a case-by-case basis. That's why everybody gets a social worker. My family has a social worker. They came to our house. They check things out and make sure that we're okay. And that we're doing the things we should be doing. You know, that we're, we catheter my son. We have to, you know, medicines three times a day. We're making our hospital visits. We're making our appointments. We need to be held accountable to our treatment as parents. And I think that's what the process is for. So I'm neither, um, I'm neither for or nor against what happened in Florida. I just don't know enough to be for or against it. I don't know enough to make it a political thing. I don't know enough to make it a parenting thing. Uh, all I want is for that kid to get better. And if someone thought chemo was the way... There's probably a reason. I hope there's a reason, and I don't have time or energy to study it further. So that's my way of not answering that question. But I hope sharing with you the process that we went through will um, kind of shed some light on how hard this choice is and how there is no right, there is no wrong, there is no easy. You just have to get the best information you can and make a choice for someone else. And you don't want to sit there five years from now or a year from now or six months from now saying you made the wrong choice or you should have taken more time to decide or you should have gotten more information. You have to do that and fight through it on the front end because we went in the room, the same room that we learned that my son had cancer was the same room in the same session that we decided what our treatment option was going to be because you have to start right away. So I hope that helps you understand the, the gravity of a parent making this choice for a child I hope it maybe helps you understand a little bit too that not all parents make the right choices and um, just like not all doctors make the right choices so we have to collectively hold ourselves to a standard of doing better and when we do that I think that we start serving the people who need us the most and that's the kids that's who needs us the most. One of the first things I noticed when we got to um, to the hospital, um, my wife and I were talking and Baxley was laying in his hospital bed and one of the things that we talked about is, thank God he has no idea what's going on. Um, and not that he didn't know he was, he knew he was in the hospital and he knew all that, but when you say cancer, he doesn't understand what that means um, to a degree, especially at that time because it was brand new. And it was about a week between the time we got to the hospital and the time we had an official diagnosis. And I just thought, I was like, man, if an adult were laying in that bed knowing what's going on and the questions and the answers we don't have yet, it would be nerve-wracking, to say the least. So for Bax, it was really like moment to moment. Um, You know, he was happy in a moment or he was sad in a moment. And there was no, 
understanding what tomorrow, like when you say we're going down to get a, a CT scan or a PET scan or we're going to do blood work or things like that. You know, we came up with all these cute little names for it, but uh, there was nothing really for him to look forward to or to dread. And so I think that was a blessing. So when you talk about what his awareness around what we've got, you know, obviously now we're, we went to the hospital the first time on March 22nd. Um, and so over the last two months plus, um, that's kind of how he's been. He's been just moment to moment of he knows he doesn't have to go to school anymore. He knows he's sick. He knows we take medicine to fight the bad guys. Um, he doesn't, he knows that he doesn't like the catheter. He knows that he doesn't like to take the taste of the medicines, you know, all the stuff that a kid knows. Um, the big challenge for us was when he started seeing physical signs that something wasn't right. And he, he's a very intuitive little boy, um, or very observant. He all, he has great intuition, but he also is very observant. And so when he started noticing that, Hey, he, his legs weren't as strong, or that he, he had lost weight, um, that he was weak when he used to be, or he was slow when he, he couldn't run, he used to be fast. You know, like those are things that he picked up on that let him know something's not right and something's different. Um, and, you know, explain, trying to explain that to him, like he's very understanding. He would get upset, obviously, um, which would make us upset. <laughs> and, so he, he knew all that, but really the, the cues, you know, when we were in the hospital, anytime someone would walk in the room, he just started associating that with discomfort. Someone was going to poke me. Someone was going to prod me. Someone was going to give me something I don't want to be given. And he wasn't in control. So his, his struggle really was with control over his day and the things that he, um, the things he wanted to do. When we got home and uh, we started doing the catheter process, his cue was if every adult walked into the room, because at first it took three people to help us do it um, because he would fight it so hard. So we had my sister-in-law, Laura, who I've mentioned before, would come over or my neighbor or um, some other people would come in and help. But he would pick up on the cue that, hey, every adult just walked in the room and turned all the lights on. It's time to do the catheter. <laughs> and he would just go right into that. So he started to pick up on those things. So his awareness around the process became very, um, he just had great awareness around the, what the process looked like. Um, if you ask him today, Baxley, do you have cancer? He is likely to say yes, but not likely to understand really what that means. He will talk about the bad guys inside that we're fighting. He will talk about being tired and that he doesn't have to go to school. Um, he will talk about you know, washing hands a lot and sanitizing a lot. But he, he won't talk about death, you know. Um, and luckily, that's not something that's on, you know, we don't have a terminal diagnosis. So that's not something that even we're thinking about. But as an adult, especially with what we know about cancer, if you put me in a hospital bed for a week and I didn't know if I had cancer or not, I would, it would drive me crazy, L quite literally. Um, the conversations in my head would be almost you know, and I'm, I'm a mindset coach, so I'm really good and really trained at controlling thoughts and things like that. And it would be incredibly challenging for me to, um, to go through that. So a lot of people, um, have asked, you know, what is Baxley's awareness around it? How does he feel? Um, it's, and it's very much, we try to keep it minute to minute, you know, whatever he needs to make him happy within reason, it's kind of what he gets. And 
one of our biggest challenges, Suzanne will tell you too, one of our biggest challenges is discipline, having discipline with a kid who has cancer, meaning he's still a toddler. He still wants everything. He knows how to work the system. If he wants M&Ms, he knows a couple things he can do or say to increase his chance of getting M&Ms. As parents, you look at him with his little bald head and him crying, and you know he's not in physical pain. He's crying out of a want, and you have to discipline that just like you always would. That That's just heartbreaking. It's the hardest part. It really is. The catheter aside, you know, I'll take the catheter over disciplining my son right now any day of the week because you you just they you know what they've been through and you know what's going on on the inside and you know there are moments when he is in physical pain and the last thing you want to do is watch him be a four-year-old and cry again you know because we see him cry so much and we have to learn to identify when it's physical pain and when it's him being a toddler and even when you identify it doesn't make it easy you know, and believe me, when you sit there and just give your toddler space to cry and they have cancer, it's, it makes you cry. <laughs> so you have to go in a different room and it's just, that's the, that's the yo-yo. That's the, the process. That's the challenge of the whole thing. So how does Baxley feel? What is his awareness around our fight with cancer and, and going to the hospital and things? He doesn't like the hospital. He'll get used to it. And it's sad to say that that's just what we, we, we have to get used to treatment. We have to get used to, you know, the hospital. We have to get used to the medicine because it's part of us now. It's part of what we're doing. Um, and so I think he's got, a, he's got great awareness around the process. He doesn't have great awareness around exactly what we're fighting or how long we're going to be fighting or um, any of that. What he does know is that his family's together. He does know that when we go to the hospital, we all go to the hospital. Um, he does know that when he wakes up, one of us is there. He does know that um, if he needs a hug, somebody's giving him a hug. And it could be a nurse, it could be a family member, it could be us. Um, so he, he knows that he's loved, and I think that's about all we can do. Um, when he has a question, we don't lie to him. We don't step around the topic. We don't, um, we don't sugarcoat things. You know, if we're going to have to do something that's not fun, we talk about it. We try to. And if he gets upset, we let him be upset. And we hold him through that. And that's how we've chosen to kind of um, address his awareness around cancer at four years old. And it's, again, it's not easy. And we, we have to look at it too, like deciding what's best for him and not easy for us is how we approach this thing. You know, if it's hard on us, but it's best for him, that's what we're going to do case in point the catheter there are a couple options to get around that and to work around that but it doesn't leave him in the best spot long term so we've abandoned what is easy for us for what is best for him and I think that has shown him a little strength and given him a little um, little spiritual insight as to what mom and dad are willing to do for him and that's that's been our, our path so as we leave this podcast, this episode of, you know, where, where is Baxley's awareness around cancer, around his fight, around what he's got going on, and how did we get to that point of decision, and how do we handle not judging other people for their choices, um, I think really that's about as, I mean, I don't know how to talk about it. I, I really don't. I just can share. That's all I can do. I can't come from a place of being an expert because I've been doing this for two months. And I don't know if I've been doing it well. 
I don't know if I've been doing it right. I've just been doing it the best I can. And, and I've been doing it with my wife and she's been doing it. And from where I sit, she, she's doing amazing. Um, is she right? I, I don't, we don't know. We just, we think we are. We, we've used all the information we have and we think we are, but time will tell. Uh, right now, my son is happy. Uh, he's fighting, he's being treated. And in an hour, he may not be happy and we'll handle that too. So that's, that's kind of where we sit. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have, um, personal or just process-wise. I'm not guaranteeing I have the answer or that I will answer, but I will feel them and I will acknowledge them. And if I can't answer, I will. So I hope you guys get out there. You know what to do. you got to go hug your people. Got to go hug your people. We've got some uh, good stuff coming up with Hug Your People to help some other kids soon. I'm excited to share that with you. Um, Anything you want me to talk about on this podcast, feel free to reach out and and suggest, and I'll do my best to get to it. Episode 3, I hope you got something from it. Go hug your people. This is Kevin. Talk to you guys soon.